the Portland Trailblazers um, have said that Dame is not on the trading block. I, I've written like four columns about this in the last week, like because the 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 trade the suggestions for the trade. There was one yesterday the somebody wanted to give us Marcus Smart and Al Horford for Damian Lillard. Like, you know, like you give us Marker Smart, Al Horford, Jalen Brown, and two first round picks. Then we can start talking about Damian Little. Like, it's just the, the, it's one thing to say that teams want the guy. I understand that. He's a top 10 player in the league. Everyone should want him. But the offers are just so stupid. And they've also made it pretty clear that they're going to build around him before they're mm-hmm. going to trade him. And that's, that's the way to do it. Even if, even if they tear down the whole rest of that team, he's the one to keep, you know, he's the cornerstone and he wants to stay. And that's, that's funny. Cause that's, that's, um, that's your thing, right? The players that don't want to like, he, he is, he should be your favorite player in the NBA. No, I, I do like him. I mean, you, you are the Blazers expert, but can they afford to build around him? Sure. Why not? Like, yeah. why, why wouldn't you keep the best of the superstars that you have? Everybody else, literally every other player on that roster is pretty tradable. Like they've got Nurkic and Covington on expiring contracts. They've got Simons and Little who are both young, you know, four or five years, three, four years into the league and both yeah. have a lot of promise. They've got uh, Norman Powell who's got a pretty team-friendly contract, you know, a four-year deal. They've got a lot of really tradable pieces. They could trade everybody else on that roster and start all over again. I'd rather see that than trade him for – what do you trade him for? A young player and five first-round picks or three first-round picks? Unless you're going to get Zion Williamson or Antetokounmpo, they're not going to trade him. Yeah. And I guess uh, Zion Williamson's too fat to go anywhere right now. <laughs> oh, he's a so, so am I, though. Uh, you are you are you're muted, muted there, it's where Your mute icon isn't on. I th- we should do a segment of every podcast because it happens naturally. It, like Daryl's technology struggles. We should just make one. Actually, that should be our Christmas episode. I should just edit all these together. <laughs> Daryl trying to connect. Daryl can't put on the video. Daryl can't get audio. Daryl, can you hear us? You can just pantomime the whole show then. Or just write your thoughts on paper and hold it up to the camera, and we'll read them for you. How about that? There you uh, go. Here we go. What was it? Uh, I did not turn the mic on. And welcome to Sports Plus Show with uh, Baker, Big D, and Joe. Now, now all of a sudden you're too quiet, Daryl. You got to turn yourself up somehow. Oh, I don't know what's going on I, now. I've been accused of having a booming voice. How's that? That's better. Yes. There you go. Your voice is back to its natural. I booming, know why you want to quiet stuff. me too, guys, because you don't <laughs> want to hear more Patriot stuff. But man, <sighs> we can't avoid it this week. So anyway, let's let's finish the introduction here. So before you get a chance to to scream at me, uh, uh, Matt is coming from Western Mass. Is it raining there too? Uh, it is. Uh, rainy. Kind of a wet little morning. Maybe you could explain to me how can it be thirty-two degrees and raining? How come it isn't snowing? I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, below, so, I guess it's below. I guess it's got to be 31.99999 or I less, guess. right? It's weird. Yeah. 
And how's things out in the left coast? There, are you you rioting again? <laughs> no, also rainy. I think the rain has dampened everyone's riot, rioting spirits. The last voice is Joe calling from Portland. Yeah, but I, I'll say the the problem hasn't been the riots. The problem has been you know, it's turned into a regular old crappy city. You know, there's a, well, just the property crime has gone way up in the last year and a half. And, you know, I understand people are pretty desperate. So it's uh, it's gotten worse. My neighborhood's gotten worse. Uh, it's 82 percent of the reason I am leaving for Mexico. What What is the masking like out there? People are pretty good. I mean, okay. in the city, the thing is out here and I get, you know, it's the same across the country. When you get outside the city, that's when you get into red red there's no such thing as red states blue states it's it's the cities and the populated areas that are liberal and the outlying areas are all pretty conservative and you don't have to go too far out of portland to be into some pretty deep red country so in the city people are pretty good about it i mean i've been Still, you know, and people who listen to the show know that I've been avoiding pretty much all human contact since this thing happened, except for my trip back east for my dad's funeral. But the which was great driving all that way in a Jeep. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think my back's still a little sore from it. But, uh, you know, the, I'll be doing I'll be doing the same kind of thing. It's 2000 miles from here to, to Toto Santos. So it will be another another long Jeep trip that you'll have to hear about. But you're breaking up a little bit, Joe. The old joys of the uh, internets. Yeah. So, um, Matt, uh, of Western Mass. Fine. Yeah, people yeah. wear masks. We're Same also here. wearing it at school. Um, you know, where we are, each school is kind of having um, its ups and downs as far as numbers go. Um, yeah, we had we the last uh, recorded week uh, we had quite a few cases, um, and Massachusetts is back to what it was last December before vaccines in in the amount of cases, not in hospitalizations or deaths, but in the amount of cases. So it's a it's a tough time. It's uh, you know we looked we thought it would be over last summer. Didn't you feel like you know it was going to be over when things were going down? I I mean. I didn't necessarily think it would be over. I thought how it would be talked about and covered and, and um, handled would get less. I didn't necessarily, I mean, I guess I never really thought it would be, would go away. I just thought it would, we'd be living with it differently. I thought given the rate at which people were getting vaccinated, that we would be in trouble, that this is the thing that was going to be around for way too long. That's yeah. where I was last year. All right. So uh, for regular listeners, you know, I'm the Homer. So, um, you know, uh, so I have nothing good to say about the Celtics and plenty good to say about the Patriots. Uh, and what is wrong with baseball? What are they doing? You know, it's just like it's outrageous. Um, so wh wh where do you want to go today, Matt? I'm a little late. Nothing's going to make me happy. So I'll let you start, Daryl. Nothing we talk about today is going to, I'm going to be excited about. <laughs> um, well, let me start out. So, right. well, I mean, look, the Patriots, I, I said, I, I thought they'd be probably around 500. You know, That's what there's, I never, there's never been a rookie quarterback to win a Super Bowl. So the, the, like, I, I was not one of those people who were like, Oh yeah, Mac Jones can win a Super Bowl. Like I didn't think he would be the one guy, the first guy to ever do it. But I still, because of that, I still am kind of like, they're, 
better than I thought. I mean, their game plan, literally any three of us could have been the starting quarterback for the Patriots <laughs> and beaten the Buffalo Bills. There was a funny comment in the Globe today that it would have been perfectly fitting if the Patriots against the Bills wore leather helmets because it was like the original football. You, you, they threw the ball three times. Three times. Um, 37 running plays in a row. And even it looked like that first pass. So for our listeners out there, if you didn't see the Thursday night football game, it was played up in Buffalo. Thursday um, night, Monday night. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you. Monday night game. Um, it was up in Buffalo. It snowed before. Wind was whipping through, like, what was it, a 30-mile-an-hour wind or gust? 50? I don't know, but it was... Or whatever it was, it was right? Incredible. Crazy, crazy swirling winds. And Mac Jones throws one pass in the first half. And it actually, after he threw it, McDaniels was, he looked pretty ticked off. I almost wonder if it was like, if uh, Mac Jones audibled out of a play, he, he threw a pass. John Smith made a great catch. It, it just, it was a crazy game. They won. Uh, what did Damian Harris have? He ripped off like a 60 yard run. He had, a, he had 111 yards. Yeah, but I mean, he his touchdown run ripped off. It was, it was like a 60 yard run. They go for two and then they kick two field goals. But see, that's where I'm going to have to put in Belichick's genius was going for two. That turned out to be a key thing in the game. And, you know, that was why do you go. Wasn't it the first quarter that they scored or or I don't know if it was the second. Yeah, I think it was. It was, it was, you know, if, if not in, I think it was the first quarter and they actually called like the same play on the two point conversion as their touchdown run. And it worked. I, I don't know if they're Bill Belichick to me is like a perfect example of time travel. Like he clearly knew <laughs> how do you know all logic in hindsight, we can say he's brilliant in hindsight. Wait, wait, wait. We don't need hindsight. One of us said it from the beginning of the season that this t- team was going to win 10 or 11 games and make the playoffs. Who was that again? Who was, Oh wait, that was, that was me. No, it was not. No, you, but, no. but it, in all serious, like you're watching that game. Does what would tell you that your game plan to throw a foot to throw the football three times in a game is is going to lead to a win? This is the way things work in the NFL are entirely cyclical, right? And you can either be ahead of the change or you can be behind it. And if you're ahead of it, you win games and you win championships. If you're behind it, you don't. So when the rest of the league is moving toward in one direction, Bill Belichick is going to be taking his team in another direction or at least considering other directions. And it doesn't surprise me that they're capable of running their offense like that and also running the same sprint out passing game that everybody else runs and also throwing these four yard dink passes that are now killing football in my opinion i've just like i just i don't i don't understand these completions behind the line of scrimmage why are you throwing the ball two yards i expect to see actually belichick's tactic become this sort of you know three yards in a cloud of dust or throwing deep as he gets more confidence in his quarterback 
Here's, I mean, here's what I'll say to that. I, and, and I do understand, I mean, I get what you're saying um, as far as, you know, all the screens and what offenses are trying to do now in the NFL is instead of having you cover one direction, right? North and South, they're forcing defenses to cover East and West as well. And so, but East and West not, doesn't get you first downs. That's well, my no, point. But, is that, but see, it, it's, it's like a game of chess. Not every move in chess is checkmate, but I make a move for then three moves later to put you in checkmate. And and look, I'm no coach and I'm no court. I mean, I could probably be the offensive coordinator for the Giants, but <laughs> I, I, I think that's the mentality. And so if you look at the way college football is played now and sort of, you know, you're, you're no longer, you're not a defensive end run stopper. You're a, a edge pass rusher you're like so many athletes now are faster and stronger than they've ever been and you have guys who are the size of linebackers with the speed and agility of a cornerback and so you want to maximize these athletes athleticism you want to be able to play in all four kind of directions is my thought process but you're right in that bill belichick i you know i don't know i i just Look, I, it, I, this isn't a knock on him, but I just like common sense. You throw the ball three times and you win. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I don't know. So the thing is with Belichick is he grew up being a coach. And, you know, and he and McDaniels really game plan very successfully. And this was, they knew that this was going to be a super windy situation. They have the Patriots have this giant offensive line that just manhandles people. And so even though they knew what was going to run the Patriots still, even without um, that 60 yard run, they averaged almost four yards a run without that. And with it, they averaged uh, five yards a run. Matt, those th those offenses, these, all these offenses, everyone runs down with the little four yard swing passes. It reminds me of that the the vibrating football game. Are you old enough to have been exposed to this? Where the players just are moving. There's a lot of movement, but there's not a whole lot of progress. Is what I'm saying. And to have all that scrambling around, and actually even college too, you have a whole lot of activity that generates a risky pass that you that the ball travels 40 yards in the air but you gain two yards because you're throwing from the center of the field to the sideline and it just it baffles me and i don't understand i understand how do you feel that the game is less interesting now i think the game makes the game less interesting because there's less possibility of, of a big play i think it's it's foolish is really what i think it is because if you're going to put the ball at that risk you should do so with some hope of reward and when quarterbacks are averaging three and four yards per completion, you may as well be running the ball, you know, 37 times in a row. Well, but those short passes are really a glorified run play. But they're way riskier than handing the ball off or pitching it out or having your quarterback sprint out and run. To throw the ball from the middle of the field to the sideline is a very, very risky proposition. Well, that's why you see you see a lot of defensive backs that break on the uh, pass that, and that are jumping on. get a pick six or almost get a pick six if they don't handle the ball. The riskiest pass in football has always been the five-yard out. 
because you're throwing your angle is favoring the defense and you have to the ball has to travel it's hard to throw a ball 45 yards accurately so i you know i think part of it is that coaches are realizing that strong-armed accurate quarterbacks are hard to come by so this is and the nfl has always been coaching wise has always been the the home of the of the conservative not politically because but the home of the non-risk takers right like the risk takers are usually not rewarded and that's where again you know belichick going forward on fourth down where most most coaches wouldn't have you know he's he can do that because he's bill belichick and you see that from a few of them you see it from tomlin you see it from um andy reed occasionally but most coaches are are very very cautious with their their play calling their offense designing and their in-game decision making so i know you guys you guys don't watch the manning brothers um, i tried to watch it for the last game i didn't enjoy it for the last game here's here's why i love it though and so i don't i think it was their fourth quarter no third quarter because i think i fell asleep in the fourth their third quarter guest was akib talib um, he was the defensive back for one of the Patriots Super Bowls. He played for Denver with Peyton Manning on their really good basketball. one. Really good very, one. very good, good player. And he, he provide, he was providing insight to Bill Belichick because the, you know, both Peyton and Eli were like as quarterbacks, like we hate this game at the time. Mac Jones has one pass for like 13 yards, whatever. It was like, this is ridiculous. You just hand the ball off and here's a keep to leave, but, he said, look, Bill Belichick is the defensive coordinator for the Patriots. He always has been. And I found that interesting, right? Because you have guys like Romeo Cornell, Matt Patricia, most recently, who get these head coaching jobs. And really, they are defensive coordinator on paper only. Bill Belichick is the mastermind of their defensive game plan. But he also said what was interesting is, and I, I want to tie this back to – a little bit of the giants when we were making fun of Jason Garrett and, and um, Joe judge is he's like, Josh McDaniels is the offensive coordinator. He goes, he, he will, he'll let Bill know, Hey, this is kind of what I'm thinking, but Bill doesn't, he's not play calling bill Belichick is going to say, Hey, if it's fourth and down, we're going for it. Or, Hey, when we score a touchdown in the first quarter against the wind, we're going for two bill Belichick is making those decisions. Well, and, and I'm sure there's also moments where he's going to step in and say, we're running the ball here on fourth and one or, or third and 16. This is I'm, no, it definitely happens, Matt. There's no way that he turns over every aspect of that to McDaniel. You're a head coach. You don't do that. You don't, what just about the time it was third and five and Mac Jones did quarterback sneak two times in a row. That was unbelievable and got the first down. But I think the idea is that Bill Belichick is, Akib Tlaib also said this because they were asking him, you know, it's got to be, it must, was it that hard to be a Patriot? You know, is it fun? Is it, he goes, he goes, it's not that hard guys. You have three rules. Do your job. Don't be late. And oh man, do your job. Don't be late. Oh, and, and be, and don't talk to the media. Those are his three rules. Huh. He doesn't care. He said, wow. I can show Interesting. Wow. Those are his three rules. Don't talk to the media. Because he doesn't want you to say something that gets the other team inflamed. Yeah. He said, don't talk to the media. Do your job and don't be late. But that's funny because I don't I, I don't think of them as being a – I mean, he's pretty 
guarded when he makes statements. But I don't think of, you know, like you hear plenty from, you know, Gronkowski wasn't ha- wasn't afraid to talk to the media. You hear you hear things from Patriot players all the time. Well, no, remember when Wes Welker, Wes Welker made his, he was making was... fun of uh, the foot fetish with Rex Ryan and he got suspended, you know? I, but got held out the first quarter of a really important game and it hurt the Patriots, but that's Belichick. So I think like Bill Belichick is, I'm trusting you. You have a job to do, do your job. If you can't do your job, I find someone else to do it. So I really, the micromanaging of Bill Belichick, I don't think is there. Aqib Tlaib was like, but, I oh, good, now I'm talking about a very, we talked about this specific thing a couple of weeks ago that on the sidelines, it's a coach's responsibility to step in when something is happening that is contrary to the way he wants his team run. And I understand that coordinators have power, but to say that he's not going to step in if his coordinator is doing something he doesn't like, he is absolutely going to do that. And that's why he has 37 Super Bowls. They're on the same page. That's it. I think those conversations, I don't disagree with you, Joe, but I think those conversations are had during the week and you like it just the the, Akib Tlaib was painting the picture of there's an expectation that they go into a game with and Bill is hands off offensively I'm 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 going to tell you if we're going for it on fourth down I'm going to tell you if we're going for two but you make the call we've already had a conversation hey like no stone is left unturned hey if this is happening preparation Preparation. But so I think the dynamic that you're describing, I think, is what's happening during the week. And then yes, if anything, that's, that's my point. If, if anything, it's during what I'm talking about is during games is during right. situations in games or during a crisis period. Or again, like we go back to the Giants, if, you know, they're running the ball on third and 17 and the coach just goes over there and says, what the bleep are you doing? Like, that's that's the the dynamic I'm talking about. And that's where whether or not he considers himself a defensive coach and hands off on the offensive side, when something happens in the middle of the third quarter that he needs to take control of, he's going to go take control of it. And when he does, you can be sure that Josh McDaniel is doing what Belichick wants him to do. You know, what was interesting is that last year when the Patriots didn't do very well and Brady won the Super Bowl, there was the conversation was Belichick is not that great a general manager. Yeah, and, this conversation on the show, I believe. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then he goes out and he has all this money and he gets these tremendous free agents. He builds this massive offensive line uh, that, again, should be wearing uh, leather helmets. And his and all pretty much all of his born and especially Judon Judon might be the defensive player of the year um, is has really paid off and they and they, you're right they don't talk to the media much but Judon had a really hilarious comment after the game to the media he goes um, yeah this was a great team effort everybody but Mac all Mac did was hand it off. <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny, <laughs> but it wasn't, uh, was it Welker that made all those Ryan jokes? Yeah. 
Yeah, it wasn't that. And but you know, and one other thing I want to say is that the Giants and the Patriots had a preseason, you know, workout together for a couple of days, and that's where Mac Jones appeared. That's where he began to be noticed by Belichick, where he was really accurate and really calm. And you know, he's really accurate. His his passes are really accurate. Yeah, I mean, I think he's the best of the five rookies so far. And I think, Matt, what you said about a rookie not being able to win. Upside, you know, long range, you know, some of those other ones will be much better because of their running. But he he got into the perfect system and they got him at 15. Yeah, it was funny, Matt, you said, you know, rookies never won the Super Bowl. This might be the year. I mean, there's there's a couple of them that are playing for pretty good teams. And if it's not this year, if we're going to keep getting five rookie starters every season, it's not going to be too long before uh, before somebody does. Are yeah. we uh, are are we done with the Patriots? Yes. One one last thing. Just his three top drafts uh, this year: Mac Jones, uh, Christian Barmore, who's uh, been a, a sensational lineman, and uh, Ramondra Stevenson, the Ramondre, great yeah, yeah. So his three top three drafts. He has missed a lot of drafts, and that's sort of why the Patriots got into trouble. Was a, a stretch, of, you know. And the drafting is, I think, it's a crapshoot. But anyway, yes, I'm satisfied. I have to say that that watching that game, I don't often watch a whole game. I watch that whole game. But the other thing is, Joe, I have to say, um, I uh, what I don't know. YouTube TV has changed something, and so the what I was using, uh, I've been kicked off it, and I'm not going to pay seventy dollars a month to have it. So I'm basically done watching uh, sports live on TV and politics so it's okay <laughs> I, I, you know it's it's nice to read your life will be happier yes it will be we're going to turn this into a literary review show we're not yeah. talking about sports <laughs> and politics anymore well i do want i do want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to gloat about being the only one on bill belichick's side for the last eight months and you know since that super bowl matt you're right you know people were writing him off but not me i was here cheering on bill belichick which again is pretty out of character since i've been rooting against the man my entire life. But anyway. Well, so do you want to go to the NBA or where, where do you want to go next? What I do want to talk about is the the WNBA yes. expanded their schedule to 36 games for next season, but they still don't pay enough. So all of the players, many of the players, most of the players go to Europe or you know go overseas to play. And with, with the timing of their offseason, it means that they're all and I don't give a crap about holidays. I've lived across the country for my family for most of my adult life. It's inconvenient and expensive for me to travel. So I'm used to spending holidays by myself. But I realize most people like to spend holidays with their families. Well, like with Matt and I, I don't have I don't have young kids, but I have young grandkids and Matt has two young boys. So for them, especially Christmas is a pretty sensational holiday. Right. So and it's also, you know, it's a time where everyone gets to relax, right? Everything slows down. I can't get any business done right now. And everybody takes the last three weeks of the year off. But th these players have to go because their their main job as professional athletes in the United States of America does not pay them enough. They have to go to Europe and play through their break and through the holiday season and most of them, again, it's expensive to take your entire family to Europe to live for a summer. So they they do without. And it's salaries are getting better, but they are still 
you know, a fifth of what they should be, you know, Brianna Stewart and Brittany Griner and Sue Bird should be making in the millions and not, you know, some of these, these players make 40, 60, $80,000 a year, which, you know, it's probably less than you guys make to teach. Yeah, no, it's like, it's like the uh, way sports used to be that baseball players, for example, had to have off season jobs to, uh, to survive. They didn't make enough money. And even now the minor leaguers in baseball, they're, they've gotten a considerable raise, but they still are lucky to make 20,000 for a season. Um, yeah. And you know, what's funny. I, people don't, don't realize this, but minor league umpires don't get paid much at all i mean you may I, I imagine now it's probably at the lower levels it might be a couple thousand dollars a month might be eighteen hundred two thousand dollars a month but when i when i went to umpire school in 1992 i think the monthly pay for a single a umpire was nine hundred dollars eight or nine hundred dollars and of course they're paying for expenses and you're living in hotels and driving the league van, but it's still, um, it's still pretty atrocious. So I think there are, you know, there are, we can look at plenty of, of soccer salaries and even basketball salaries and, and, you know, NBA salaries and, and look at them as being ridiculously inflated. So I think, you know, well, a lot of, a lot of what we talk about is trying to distribute, income distribute our nation's wealth among all, all of its people. I think a similar attitude needs to be taken. Um, and maybe it needs to be the NBA players that are driving it and that are, you know, let's have, Joe, I, I, let's talk about this for a second. Right. Cause I, it, in 2019, the average salary was 75,000. In what sport are you or in? The now? WNBA. 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 The average salary was seventy-five thousand. Now this season, it is one hundred and twenty thousand. Okay. Almost one hundred and twenty-one. So that's, that's moving up. Progress. So if you, if when you think about it, that's a lot more than I make. But when you compare it to the NBA, where the average salary is seven point seven million. Right. Wow. That's so, the average now. That's the yeah, average. That's more wow. math than you and I make in our lifetime. Wow. Now, if you look at, if you look at it and say, well, all right, you're at, let's t- just take the averages. You're paying the men 7.7 to play basketball and the women 120 um, to play basketball. Right. But rather than thinking like, they're not in the business of playing basketball. They're in the business of making money for other people, basically. Like, you know, like that's what allows them to be able to be paid 7.7. So just, just, a, just some quick math. The, uh, so the average salary for an NBA player is 64 times what it is for a WNBA player. Oh. But then where else would the money come from in the WNBA? Why can't it come from the NBA? The WNBA is a, a is a child of the NBA, so the NBA should be sending some of its revenue to the WNBA. Does the commissioner of the NBA does he oversee the WNBA? Or are they or are they their own league with their own bylaws and their own like? No, maybe they're, we they're, should have a, a show where I I didn't do any research on this. 
No, the the WNBA is their own entity. And hang on, I'm, I'm just looking at the revenues to see if the revenue is 64 times what. I guess what what I kind of think is I don't ever think you're ever going to hear any NBA player say, "Yeah, give some of my money over to the WNBA." I, that hasn't happened. Well, but I think it reflects our it reflects our society, Matt, where women have had less opportunity in general, and that's changing for the positive, which is a good thing. Yeah, but where I think where I think the responsibility lies within like the TV networks, and because that's where the leagues get a lot of their money, and I don't I do I personally don't think it should be up to the NBA who's making their money to say, Oh, well, we made this money. Let's give it to, I think it should be the WNBA needs to be getting the same amount of opportunities with TV contracts and the WNBA needs to but the be league given. Does, the, the league doesn't have any control over the, the, the TV market for these, for this league. What the league, the league does have control of where their revenue goes. And it's, I, it you don't have to take it out of players' hands. Take it out of owners' hands. Take yeah. it out out of the owner's share of the revenue sharing. There's yeah. not an owner in the league that's not a billionaire financially strapped. They've no, all, I, made, I, yeah, all their I franchises don't. are worth billions and billions of dollars. So if they have to give up one percent of that to boost salaries in the WNBA, that's what they should do. And again, like this, I, this is me talking with my you know pie in the sky socialist attitudes and this is again what we're getting is libertarian matt who has to you know honor all the sides and make- you're not you're not supposed to swear you know you're not supposed to swear on the show you said socialist and that's, <laughs> that's the s word come on man come actually on. Liber- libertarian is the swear now i think for me at least with the label it's taken on but but this like you know like matt this is your it's i i expect that that line of argument from you because you you see you want to see what everyone sees where i only care about what i see because that's right so you know what that's what i enjoy about our show like i've all my life i've enjoyed conversations with people i don't agree with with um and and it's that's a real endangered thing right now um you know especially in my opinion conservatives are really close-minded about you know, listening to liberals and perhaps liberals are, have that same issue. Um, they do. I, I, every, I think everybody's closed minded. But that, I, that's I, why. Yeah. And that's why I really miss, you know, when we were spent our lunches in the teacher's room, we yeah. never had total agreement. You're I'm, I'm way closer to Joe uh, politically than, than you are. And uh, you know, and that's, but I loved him. I loved him. And the same with Tracy that yeah. I still get to talk to. It's, it's like, and it, what the other thing that's frustrating is most in, in most teachers, for example, are totally afraid of talking about politics to their other, to their own other teachers. They just, it's like a forbidden subject. These kind of topics can make people uncomfortable if you have to be with them and spend time with them every day. And if you've got to be around people and you have some uncomfortable, disturbing conversations that reveal things about someone that make you sort of feel icky around them, I, I, you know, I can see people wanting to avoid putting themselves in those situations. Some of those faculty rooms are really small. Yeah. And they used to be cigarette filled. It was crazy. Um, Can we talk about the Chinese uh, tennis player and can either of the two of you give me the proper pronunciation? So I don't, don't, um, Peng, Peng Shui. Peng Shui. 
Yeah. So that's a really, I got to get my adjective right. Cause it's not fascinating. It's um, horrendous, uh, horrendous story. And the thing that really stands out and it's sort of what you've always said in that is that uh, it's money that counts. It's, it's the bucks. And the only, the only organization with any guts to stand up and to take a financial bath from standing up to China is the WTA. And they, right. Right. canceled nine tournaments in China that's going to cost them millions and millions of bucks. But there, but all the other, because if you remember, if we go back just for a second quickly to Daryl Morey's tweet about uh, Hong Kong, supporting Hong Kong, and the NBA just buckled, 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 and just, you know, to China's pressure on him making that comment. And well, so I've got a question for you guys about the, how you feel about the Olympic situations. I think yeah, the U.S. and, and Great Britain. I, I, but, they should be canceling. We should not be going to the. Right. The, well, this and this sort of like this half measure, this diplomatic, yeah, we're going to yeah. do a diplomatic boycott. So Joe Biden's not going. No, who gives a crap if Joe Biden goes to the Olympics? We care if Katie Ledecky goes to the Olympics. Would you exactly. feel sorry for the athletes that have trained and would miss it. Yes, but I think the, I think, uh, you know, athletes have been, and we talk about this all the time. Athletes have been taking socially conscious positions. And I think, no, just the WNBA, the rest of them haven't. Right. I, well, I think the, the, for an, you know, an athlete's going to have to understand the sacrifice that they're making. And I think a lot of them, I think they're all going to, be disappointed that they're not competing, but I think a large number of them and hopefully a majority would understand the importance of what they're doing and why they're doing it. I think if you ask the, the athletes who were part of the 1980 boycott of the Russian games, you know, how they felt about it 40 years later, I'm sure they give you a different answer from what they would have told you in 1981. And you know what, too? I mean, I, I have no idea what it's like to be an Olympic athlete, but now don't they have a lot more United States championships, European championships? Yeah, yeah. Right? There are a lot more tournaments where your athletes, your gymnasts, your swimmers, your track athletes, your curling athletes, your hockey athlete, right? Your athletes who are competing in the Olympics – this is not their only competition every four years. Like they, they have, and I'm not trying to say they should or shouldn't attend. Um, but I wonder if it, the Olympics, does it still hold as much esteem? Does it still hold as much? I think it does. I'm an Olympian as it, as it used to. Yeah. I don't think, I don't, I don't think the world track and field championships take away from the Olympics. I think the Olympics are still the most important and the most significant. And, you know, like you, you remember who won gold medals more than you remember who won that the initial other. parade when all the countries come in in their different sort of, you, you know, care cars. about the parade. Well, the parade really they don't cool give thing. any medals out for the parade, Daryl. No, 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 no. But I really like it. It's a show of, 
of um, unity in the country. And and when um, poor uh, Muhammad Ali with his Parkinson and his shaking hand lit the torch, that was awesome. That was totally awesome. I don't need the fanfare drama parts of yeah. it. I just want to see. ceremonies, closing ceremonies, to me, that's it's gotten so commercial and so um, corporate. At the Olympics, I just want to see the competition. So, Daryl, I mean... I, I don't watch the parade of, of countries. I don't watch the opening ceremonies. I'm not going to watch the closing. No, ceremonies. but I like the ceremony. I watch the competition in the middle. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I feel I feel about the opening and closing ceremonies of the Olympics the same way as I feel about the Academy Awards, the you know, Oscars, Emmys. I don't watch any of that stuff. It's just they, they want to celebrate themselves. Go ahead. I'm not going to I'm not going to pay attention to it. I mean, I I don't watch it either. I just watch the events, but I still I like you know I like ritual. I like ceremony, and that's so that's oh, interesting. What I, what that comment was yeah. About. I'm so it's funny because the older I get, the less interested I become in ritual and ceremony because it's just the same thing every year. And I think that's kind of why I sort of blah on holidays. Like uh, you know, after after thirty or so Christmases, just like yeah, okay. Anyway, you're just a grumpy old man, Joe. Yeah. Like, and usually yeah, it's funny to be my role, right? Yeah, that's right. Usually I'm the number two grumpy old man. Can we can we can we stay on human rights, but move to another yeah. sport, move yeah. to Daryl's favorite sport, uh, move to auto racing? Because there we talk about China and Formula One hasn't raced there in two years because of uh, COVID. But they raced last week in Saudi Arabia. This week it's in Abu Dhabi. They race in Russia and China every year. Azerbaijan, essentially, next year there are a little bit about the cars that you're talking about because there's several different kind of racing. I'm I'm not really up on it. So what kind of cars are these? Formula One are the open cockpit, open wheel. They are the fastest in the world. This is the the circuit that races all over the world. This is like the. But they're not stock cars. They look more like a, a Corvette. They look nothing like like yeah. it looks like a Corvette if you stripped off half the body panels. Right, like right. these are the and, and again they used to be a whole lot more dangerous. This is the one where the guy went through the barrier and exploded into flames last year. So these are these are they call it Formula One because it is at the very forefront of every automotive innovation. I mean these are million dollar cars and you know they they a lot of the um, hybrid engine technology that we use in consumer cars now came it started in formula one, you know, dozen years ago, 16 years ago, but, and I actually wrote a piece on it for the sites called beyond the flag about how we talk about this all the time, right? How organizations, these giant, especially these giant international sporting organizations always favor money over human rights. And this is probably the, the worst of all the international organizations because they've got now Eight sites, more than a third of the sites on the calendar are in countries that have serious, serious human rights concerns. I mean, these are like the, the only way it would be worse if they were racing in North Korea and Egypt is pretty much the only two countries that are worse than the ones that what they race the other in. one besides North Korea? Egypt. Egypt, who is at the very top of all the human rights watch lists, that has really? the worst human rights record on the planet. Wow. But the... You know, how's, how's the United States doing there? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I have to see where we rank up? these days. I'm, I'm sure we are. We're moving up or down, depending on how, how you want to look at it. But 
the issue that they're not addressing is, you know, is the same as we're seeing in China, but they're seemingly turning even more of a blind eye to it. And it's a shame because this is, so this is the, the formula one runs on a point system. You get 25 points for winning 18 points for second. You get points down to one point for 10th place. Then if you finish below 10th, you don't get any points. You add up all the points for the drivers, the end of the season person with the most is the champion going into the last race, which is tomorrow. The two drivers are tied for the championship with 369 and a half points each, which wow. look at those totals. You can see it doesn't happen very often. The last time drivers were tied going into the last race was 1974. So this is, and so I was trying to beat the other guy wins. Right. Instead of this sort of complicated, okay, well, if this guy finishes fourth and this guy's got to finish ninth or above, and now it's just whoever finishes in front of the other, unless they both finish outside the top 10, which has happened twice all year. The, I was trying all week to come up with a comparison. Like, okay, so it's like two baseball teams playing the entire season and then meeting up in the World Series. And and I couldn't even... What about what about Bucky Dent, the uh, Red Sox-Yankees? It doesn't, it doesn't match up because there's no... It, there seemed to be... There's no way to sort of accurately reflect how weird it is that with all these little factors that come into play in the scoring of points that these two drivers who have been literally miles ahead of the field like they finish every race 20 seconds 30 seconds 40 seconds ahead of the nearest competitor which where they got hgh in their fuel no they're just more talent these two guys are just more talented and part of it and this is why daryl hates auto racing right part of the success is dependent on the machinery they do have the two best cars in the field but they're even out driving their teammates who are driving the exact same car and you know to do it by six or eight seconds a race is one thing, but over the course of an entire season, 21 races up till now, these two drivers have been, you know, one of them's got eight wins. One of them has six. They have been, the two of them have finished in the top three in, I think 15 of the 21 races so far this season, all of these numbers probably mean nothing to you because you're not racing fans, but it would be, again, I just, I couldn't even come up with a comparison. It would be like if two, two baseball players hit 81 home runs next, next season. But even that doesn't, cause you're talking about a, a whole season's championship. So I, again, like, I really wish you guys were into this because I, I can't, I couldn't even find a comparison to convey how close and how exciting this championship has been. And the you other side of the, the whole uh, thing on TV. Can you, is that what you said? Oh, do you, do you? Yeah. Yeah. And I usually have to watch them on, on DVR because especially the races in the middle East are on it, you know, two or three in the morning, but whatever time this race is on tomorrow morning, I'm going to be up watching it live. And I just, again, like I wish, I wish, I, I, this is the first time I've been unable to come up with the words to describe a sporting situation in my life. And it's just, it's so unprecedented. And part of it is a surprise too, because the, the defending champion, Lewis Hamilton, I've talked about him quite a bit. He's the only black driver in the history of formula one. And he's won. He's, he's tied for the most championships. And so if he wins, this eighth championship, he'll be the first, not just the first Formula One driver, but 
the the three most um, accomplished NASCAR champions have all won seven. The two most accomplished IndyCar drivers have won seven. No race car driver on a major circuit has won more than seven championships. So if he does, that's my other the other reason I like auto racing because we debate all the time about who's better. Is it Antetokounmpo or Durant? Well, you know who's better because you finished ahead of the other guy and you won. So if he wins this championship, he'll have won more races and more championships than any other driver in racing history. And there's no way you can't call him the greatest driver ever, except for the fact that he's black. So plenty of people will want to. So I'm really curious. I'm rooting for him on the one hand. On the other hand, I'm rooting against him because I love the idea of this mythical seven that no one can get past seven. So I kind of want him to lose. He's also retiring after next season, so he's only going to have one more chance. There's so many storylines around it, and again, it sucks that you guys don't appreciate it. But well, no, no, no. Can I just say one thing? The movie Cars has made me look at auto racing in a more positive way. <laughs> you couldn't say like like Ford versus Ferrari or Senna or an actual racing movie. He had to pick a cartoon. Breaking my heart, Daryl. Lightning McQueen. All right, there we go. Good God. <laughs> well, did did Lightning McQueen win the Indy 500? Is that what happened? Yeah, he won the Piston Cup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not seven years old. I don't watch animated movies. Uh, uh, you should. That, that cars is great. Anyway, Daryl, you should get up at three in the morning tomorrow no, no, and watch. Oh, no, thanks. Well, you know, you gave up on your your YouTube TV, and actually, I had to give up on mine too. I had to switch over to something called Fubo because the Blazers. Is any good? Is that any good? Yeah. Well, so I had to switch over because the Blazers Root Sports isn't on YouTube TV. Really? So it's the only way I could watch the Blazers. Yeah. Um, so, and does that cost a month, a monthly fee? Yeah, it's a little cheaper. It saves me maybe 20 bucks over YouTube TV. The problem I have with it, though, the DVR is not unlimited. So I've had to kind of stay on top of like I had this catalog of of shows on YouTube TV that it was, I did too, but they're gone, man. Yeah, they're gone. The other thing is, and this is the, the probably the more annoying part when you fast forward, it doesn't show you anything on the screen. Like you get the timer, but you can't. So, I mean, I, and I, I watch everything recorded so I can fast forward through commercials, but in an NBA game, sometimes the breaks are 30 seconds. Sometimes they're two minutes, sometimes they're four minutes. And so I, I miss a little action because I'm you know not going to keep going backward and forward and backward and forward. I'll skip ahead two minutes. If I miss a couple of possessions, I miss a couple of possessions. Well, can but we talk a little NBA in our last eight minutes? Sure. We're... Celtics are terrible. And let's see if, um, and, and I still think I'm right about the Lakers, but we'll see. Well, the, the Blazers have lost seven of eight and everyone wants Damian Lillard, but everyone thinks they can get him for, you know, two dirty jock straps and a, and a Gatorade cup, which I, I think is hilarious. So I'm grateful that the Blazers who are kind of leaderless, you know, they fired their GM. Now they've got an interim guy in there who's, who's vying for the job. So he's going to do the job, but he, they've come out a couple times in the last couple of days and said, they're not trading Willard. They're going to try to approve the team around him, which I'm, I'm 1000. Like stuff That always happened with Harden and uh, Durant is that, you know, the, like the rockets were going to improve the team around them and they never, well, but the, and the, here's the thing. And this is why I think he should be Matt's favorite player is that this guy has repeatedly, 
you know, even in the face of all this said, look, I don't want to go anywhere. I want to stay here. I want I want to be successful in Portland. And it is exactly the opposite of what all these players that Matt hates do. Right. He is he is the opposite of the ring chaser. Just run for the money, uh, you know, and it's and where's your loyalty? Yeah. And I understand why he's loyal to the city. And, you know, then they've got CJ McCollum, who was probably going to have to be traded just because his game overlaps with, with Lillard's too much, who now has a collapsed lung and may, may be out for months, you know, two or three months long past all of these, the time where all these trades are going to have to be made. So they may be stuck with McCollum, who was going to be their kind of most valuable trade asset but this man this trade this trade season is going to be bonkers there are so many all-star caliber players that are going to be traded i mean and the celtics have a tremendous problem they can't play they can't score they have no no offense so Um, i'm gonna of their their top three of brown tatum and smart give me percentages for each of those three players the likelihood that they will be celtics after the trade deadline I think Marcus Smart is the one that would be most likely to go. And that would make me sad because even though he's terrible shooter, he makes some of the best defensive plays I've ever seen in my life. And he is exactly the kind of player that the Blazers need. I I, I think the Blazers and Celtics line up really well for a trade. They do, although I feel like it was much better when McCollum was part of that mix because he is exactly what, the Celtics need and the, and smart is exactly what the Blazers need. But I, I don't think, I, you know, I don't think that $24 million in expiring contracts, Robert Covington and Yusuf Nurkic are what the Celtics are going to want for, for smart. So now they're going to want Nasir little or Anthony Simons, which, I mean, I guess I give you Simons Covington and Nurkic for smart. Well, it'll be interesting to see what Brad Stevens does. I mean, he didn't sort of succeed as a coach. He's doing better than Yudoko. Yudoko's having his problems, but, you know, we'll see. And I know, you know, we've cut Matt out of the conversation. So in the last five minutes, Matt, what do you want to bring up? No, no. I mean, I, I, w- I was, I, I'm, it's all good. I didn't have much to, I was learning about the F1 and then. What about college? We should talk about college football. I, we got the college, the, the final four. Um, hey, our buddy Jim Harbaugh, I think, is coach of the year. They finally beat Ohio State. Yeah, well, they said it had nothing to do with that. It was all about his graduation rate. So <laughs> ah, Beautiful. Well done. Well done. What did you learn about F1 in three minutes? Well, no, I mean, I, I just didn't know the, the point system and the fact that it comes down to – it'll come down to this. It is pretty interesting. And I was trying to think, I, I wonder if with the closest – sport comparison be a, a Brady and Belichick Super Bowl meeting up in the Super Bowl. I, well, I, I mean, it, the probability of, of that is pretty high right now. It, it would be like, but they're you know, Brady and Brady and Belichick have different jobs, you know, so it would be like, I, a, I know, I know, I know. it would be like, also, a, it's like both of you have said, I think it's, it's not just one player, you know, like Brady's, you know, uh, is not the reason that teams are great. It's there's 60 players. I think that's your point most of the time, Matt. And it's, it's a really good no, point. Actually, you know, it's my point. That's Joe's. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's why Joe can't stand Brady. I give them both credit. Tom Brady is the, the goat. Right. 
and Bill Belichick is the goat. And and I I'm done I'm done with debating who's more is it right. more Brady's I'm done with that. They Brady's are both because right, the answer is Belichick, general manager. No, I, I I don't see and I I don't you the the answer is neither. You can't you're but. We can save that for the NFL playoffs. I, Dar, I'm, why don't you think you you still don't have any faith in the Lakers? I just think that they're um, uh, that they're old and uh, they're injury prone. And you know, I think that when you look at the thing is, the, you have a certain amount of miles. And I think LeBron, you know, it's sort of like a car. And so I think LeBron is near the end of uh, his mileage and uh, he's playing great. And, you know, it would not surprise me if he turns it on for the playoffs and they, the Lakers romp through it and win the championship would not surprise me, but I think there's a good chance that they may have some serious injuries that make the team a little weaker. And, um, you know, right now they're sort of like the Celtics are a 500 team. Well, Davis has been disappointing too so far. He hasn't really been Anthony Davis. So, you know, like we, we, we say that all the time when LeBron sort of coasted through the second third of the season, we said, okay, well the playoff LeBron will be back. I imagine there's a playoff version of this team that we haven't seen yet, but I mean, look at the the Pacer or the Blazers dropped eight of nine and went from fourth to eleventh or twelfth in the conference, you know, in the span of a week. So there's not a whole lot of room for ever error, but there are still a whole lot of teams clustered around five hundred. So it's not gonna take much of a of a run. You know, a team can go on a six or eight game streak. Look at the Rockets. The Rockets well, started like the um, AFC too. That Buffalo went from number one to like now they're number seven or something. So it's that when the teams are this evenly matched, uh, record-wise, there can be a lot of quick movement. Yeah, the the Rockets started out you know one and sixteen or one and something, and now they've won eight of eleven. They're still uh, seven and one, three in their last ten. Yeah, they're still one and eleven on the road, but so are the Blazers. It's just been a very strange season already. And, you know, the Lakers are game over 500. They're in the six seed. That's better than they finished last year. So, you know, maybe okay. the- no, I just, any, and any of the sports there's every sport has two seasons. You got the regular season and then you got the postseason. And anyone will tell you, I think if you can get into the second season, the playoffs healthy ish, and, and playing well in whatever sport it is that you're you're competing in, you have a chance to win. And I think nobody understands that better than a nice a veteran team. I agree with you, Daryl. The Lakers are old, but I think as long as they have a, a, a seat at the table in the playoffs, I think they'll do better than than last year. And I think they'll, they'll they they can if they're healthy make a run for a championship. I mean, half the league more than half the league has between 11 and 15 losses right now. Yeah. So, you know, the middle thirds are bunched up pretty tightly in both conferences. So, you know, it's going to make for a super interesting trade season too, because you don't know who's, you know, which teams are going to think they're closer to the top and closer to the bottom. And it's really, this is going to be a fascinating NBA season. I'm looking forward to talking and writing about it ad nauseum. Same here. And uh, so I guess this is time for us to sign off and say thanks a lot for listening to Sports Plus. And uh, we'll be back and talk to you uh, next week. Thanks, everybody. Have a good week. 